and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and I was thrilled to have the one and only Mike Schubert return to Pairing for a slightly different kind of episode, wherein we talk about the show, The West Wing. I say it's slightly different just because we actually don't talk much about wine in this one, but more about cocktails and hard alcohol. I personally think it's a fun change of pace, and we also talk about this iconic show, so I hope you enjoy. I'm always so happy to have Mike on the show, but I am especially excited for this one because I can help promote the Kickstarter for his newest project, Modern Muckraker. He'll tell you all about it later on in the episode, but Modern Muckraker is going to be a comedic investigative journalism podcast, and it sounds like so much fun. The Kickstarter is going to be live through April 30th of 2021, so if you are listening before that time, I highly recommend going to the Kickstarter at bit.ly slash modernmuckraker. There's a link in the show notes as well. Seeing what the show is all about, and if you can, pledging what you feel comfortable. Mike is such a great guy and a force for good in the podcasting world, and so I'd love it if we could help get him to or exceed his goal. As of right now, he's really close at about 80% of his goal, so if we could help get the show made, that would be so awesome. I know he'd love it. Again, that's bit.ly slash modernmuckraker. Check it out. Also, you can hear me and my good friend Zach Labresco on a recent episode of Meddling Adults, the game show for charity that Mike hosts. I had so much fun doing that, and if you haven't listened to that show yet, it's a delight, so definitely check that out as well. Thank you so much to all of our patrons, and especially our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Caitlin Van Horn, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would love to do a classic Aaron Sorkin walk and talk with. If you'd like to join these go-getters and get access to all sorts of extras for as little as $1 a month, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast. Without further ado, here is episode 79 The West Wing, with Mike Schubert. Alrighty, well, I am so excited to welcome back to pairing the one and only Mike Schubert. Shubes, how's it going? It's good. I'm glad to be back. It's been nice. a minute, but I'm glad to uh, to make the return. My favorite pairing is us on this podcast. Oh, I agree. <laughs> and I'm I'm also super excited because you had a really fun idea of something to talk about, which I I, I maybe wouldn't have thought of myself, um, and that is the West Wing, the show. It's been a quarantine binge for me and Kelly, and it's been great. It's been a new discovery. I'd never watched it before, so I haven't. I knew basically nothing about it except for that Martin Sheen was in it, mm-hmm. and people told me I would like it. It was mainly inspired because we had a digital double date rom-com movie night, Ooh, me and nice. Kelly with Brandon Grugel and Lauren Shippen. And I was like, my mom's favorite rom-com is The American President, and we should watch <laughs> that. So we watched that, and they were like, oh, this feels so much like The West Wing. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's by the same guy, right? And they were like, yeah, it's like the same thing. You should watch The West Wing. <laughs> so then we started watching it, and here we are. First of all, what a what a power double date <laughs> that is. <Yeah>. Double, double <laughs> movie date. It was date. very fun. Yeah. Um, that sounds that sounds amazing. And yeah, so, so I was going to ask you, so you so you had never seen West Wing before before now. Mm-mm. 
Nothing at all. Zero that's, episodes. No, like no new, no spoilers at all. That's I think awesome. The, uh, I guess I for for context, we're currently like just finishing up season four. So Got it. Spoilers for anyone that has has not seen up to that point yet. But I think like the only thing. I think going into it, I di- I didn't even know like who the cast was when we when we watched episode oh, wow. one and Rob Lowe was there in the first scene. I was like, Rob Lowe's in the <laughs> West Wing. Like, <laughs> yep. I, and yep. then and then Bradley Whitford showed up, and I was yep. like, the dad from Get Out. Like, I yeah, had yeah, no yeah. idea these people were in it. <laughs> I pretty much only knew Martin Sheen was in it. Um, I love it. I love so it. So I knew absolutely nothing at all. And then now I've been watching it. And then immediately after watching each episode, I'll listen to the West Wing Weekly podcast by Rishi K. Sherway awesome. and Joshua Molina. And that's been very, very good. That's Highly recommend. awesome. Yes. I I haven't listened to that podcast, but this is, this will probably inspire me to do so because I've been also rewatching the West Wing. I um, So I remember, just so you know, I... I also don't think I ever watched past the fourth season. So at this okay. point, you will you will soon surpass me. I, kn- I know basically what happens, but spoiler mm-hmm. alert, it changes a lot. Um, I don't yeah, know. I know Aaron Sorkin leaves after season four. So. Yeah, yeah. So so and that definitely changes the tone of the show. I haven't I haven't watched far past that just because I like. Once that change happened, I was like, eh, I'll take a break and watch something else. And then I just never came back to it. Right. But so I remember like when I was a kid, because it it was on when I was in middle school and high school, I think. I think it it started in 1999. Yeah, it started in like, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of interesting things um, in retrospect about the timing of this show. Because I always just sort of, in my mind, assumed that it was this alternate reality fantasy during the Bush administration, which it turned out to be, but it was also made before Bush was elected. So, mm-hmm. or elected, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> but uh, it really, I think, so like, I remember, I didn't really watch it when I was, when it was on, but I remember seeing a few episodes of it because my parents were super into it, which I think, I think was pretty common. I mean, it's a, I, I definitely have criticisms of, of the show, mm-hmm. but, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it, but the writing is is brilliant. I mean, Aaron Sorkin, problematic guy, but if he can't write some good dialogue, geez. And the acting, the acting is incredible. So I'm very excited to hear your thoughts because I feel like this is also an interesting moment in, in our country's <laughs> history to be watching it. And I'm curious, did you start watching it before or after the change over to Biden? It, we don't need to get like super political or anything. I just, I'm curious. It was it was before. So we started watching, I want to say in like the summer of quarantine. So I want to say like- Got it. June, May, June-ish around then. So it was still uh-huh. Trump going on. And it was very much at first yep. watching it like, oh, man, if only we could be like this. And then even right. now after <laughs> Biden, like I'm very much left wing, but like Biden isn't doing anything. So uh, no, so even no. now it's it's a little different, but it's still like, oh, if only they would do this stuff. But yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting to to listen during a time when Trump was president. Uh, the podcast, the Western Weekly was made like 
the, a couple episodes in, Trump got elected. So that was like, they're very right. much in the thick of, of Trump stuff. And there's a whole like Trump III running joke on the show whenever something happens that make you think or laugh about something Trump had did or didn't do or would never do, right. et cetera. right. So it it was definitely interesting to watch. It's still interesting to watch during that time because it is very much like a fantasy of I know government doesn't work this way. And like when they're trying to like have the Democrats and the Republicans work together on things, it's just laughable. I, I don't know what it was like back then. But like now it's like it's just nothing like the relief bill thing just got passed. And every single Republican was like, no, we can't pay money to people. Yeah. What? Mom, poor people getting money. So <laughs> like. Uh, it's so funny when that kind of stuff comes up. The The more yeah. interesting and more frustrating thing is like when they say things and the show is made 20 years ago, right. when they say things that we're still fighting for now, yeah. when they're talking about things in the episodes where they're like, oh, we should we should, you know, either make like a big plot in season three and season four is them trying to do this tax thing where college tuition is tax deductible. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's still not like really a thing. Yeah. 20 years later, <laughs> it seems so obvious, like the stuff that they have to fight for environmental stuff, like all of these totally. things where it's like it sucks that 20 years ago this was like this cool progressive ideal and now it, we're still trying to get it it's right like, so like part of it is like this fun fantasy land of like oh wouldn't it be cool if, if the world was like this and then part of this is like a very rude awakening of like oh my god the world is still like this 20 years later yeah that and that's and that's how I felt because when I actually watched the show, because a bunch of my friends in college were super into it and mm -hmm. and like really into Aaron Sorkin, and I, I I don't know. I guess like while I was in college with them, I didn't watch it because I think I felt like self conscious that I hadn't seen it or something. You know? Do you know like that can happen sometimes when you're like, well, right. I I missed this and you guys love this so much. I'm like self-conscious about getting into it. Uh, but then I think I, I think I watched the first four seasons like fully, like really got into it after college um, and and really enjoyed it. I also I think it's I think it's also a show that like you have to care a little bit about politics. To Definitely. Yeah. To enjoy it. And up until that point, I would say I was like not politically ambivalent, but like just not really interested in like the goings on of the government. For sure. Um, and then and then I as I got older, I've, I've gotten more and more interested. And it's really it is really like <laughs> so surreal and bizarre to be watching. Like I just rewatched the episode just from the first season where they're talking about the census and how important the census mm -hmm. is. And like we just had a, had a census and, you know, there was a whole mess around that as well. Like it's still happening. Like all this shit is still <laughs> happening. Uh-huh. So it's uh yeah so it's like a fun fantasy on the one hand and like brutal reality on the other hand. Totally agree. Yeah. And I I I think of like I don't know I was talking to Winston about this. I don't know if you agree but I feel like Bartlett, President Bartlett played by the great Martin Sheen is kind of like an ideal of what Biden could be cuz like he's he's liberal but he's still like kind of centrist like he's not super progressive um as as a democrat but he's much more effective <laughs> so far at least yeah i th i think i think kind of i think he's a little more he reminds me more like he's more of like a liberal dream just because he's this guy that like does things more based on morals yeah where i feel like 
Biden is a guy that like won't even try some extreme things. Like that's always the thing where they're like, this will never work. So we're not even going to try. Yeah. Which is very upsetting. So I feel like Bartlett is a little more, more of like liberal dream of, you know, person who's going to do stuff, even if it doesn't look good. Like I just watched the inauguration episode where he gets reelected and making a whole thing about, you know, trying to stand up for, for people in need and, and, in, you know, intervene in the fictional country of equatorial Kundu. Right, right. Uh, like <laughs> stuff like that. I right. I think it goes a little over the edge, but sure. Yeah, I think, I think similar to Biden, I think Bartlett has more of like a concern of like trying to work with the other side and reach across the aisle, which yeah. like maybe back then was feasible, but like right now is just not a thing that exists. And yeah. it's something that maybe back then was cool, but like now I despise about Biden where he's like, oh, yeah. we have to, we have to have this strong Republican party. Like we need a good opposition party. Like when do Republicans ever say we need a strong liberal democratic yeah. party? Like never. So why, why are we being nice? I don't get it. Yeah. Like, like if they're gonna be dicks, like well, you just gotta meet them with dickishness exactly. too. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's there's no point. You're just gonna get stomped on. It's Ugh. silly to me. So it's, yeah, it's funny no. to look at it like then versus now. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you 100. percent I'm so frustrated by the Democratic Party leadership right now, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but we got some young people coming in, coming up, right. uh, which is very exciting. So I just wanted to so so you mentioned when we were talking about doing this episode, uh, you mentioned that like they're often drinking like fancy cocktails and stuff. And yes. so I've been thinking more more about cocktails and like what drinks I imagine these characters would drink. I'm sure they drink other things on the show and you may you may remember some of that better than I do. Mm-hmm. But I just uh, I wanted to start off with, as you mentioned, Bradley Whitford because I love. I love mm, Bradley Whitford. He's fantastic. And Big fan. He's also, um, fun fact, he is a Wesleyan alum where where I mm, went to where nice. I went to school. And uh he's probably the least problematic Wesleyan alum right now, because uh Joss Whedon uh Ah back, very fun. Back in the doghouse. Um but I thought you might think this was sort of funny because for a while there like Bradley Whitford was the alumni association like spokesperson and so I oh. got like tons of emails from Bradley Whitford so like oh amazing I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and like he recorded all these really weird videos to raise money and <laughs> it, he's interesting. just interesting he seems like he seems like a, a very a very cool dude in in real life, um, and I and I love him on this show, and I love Josh Lyman, and um, I was <laughs> I was thinking about this. He probably doesn't ever drink this on the show, but I think that Josh Lyman would secretly love a Negroni, which is mm. that like pink cocktail, and it's pink because it has uh, Campari in it. It's actually like super strong. It's it's basically pure alcohol it's gin campari and vermouth equal parts of each of those with a little orange mm-hmm. peel if you choose i love negronis but i feel like i feel like that would be something that he would just like that would be his guilty pleasure drink or something <laughs> i agree i feel like josh lyman is the epitome of like the guy in 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 the mid 2000s that would you know try to say something about rob Lowe and then say no homo after like yeah, that character yeah. is just like has these 
things inside where he's like afraid of like wearing a pink tie yeah or like silly silly things like there's that whole episode where he he purposely tries to wear a nicer suit when joey lucas is around oh yeah and then everyone is making fun of him for wearing a nice suit and rather than just be like yeah i have a crush on joey lucas so yeah. i wore a nice suit he's like no this is my normal suit this is my regular suit like he's so he's not comfortable in his sexuality at all not at so all. i could definitely see him having this drink liking it but totally being afraid of everyone thinking that it's girly simply because it's pink. exactly so i could definitely <laughs> yeah. see that. i think you've done a great job here. i feel i feel like that's a very josh lyman thing definitely you're right he's a really interesting character and in, like all his weird hang-ups and stuff mm-hmm. and i i was doing some some research and i found out that he was originally cast as sam yes the rob Lowe they were part. switched that's so weird to me and also sam was supposed to be like the main character of the show, I think, mm-hmm. or like the focal point. But then I don't know at what point it changed. Like I know I know that Martin Sheen was was not supposed to be as big a part of it as he was, but then they were like, Yep. Nope, you're you're amazing. So we're just gonna make yeah. it more and more about you. <laughs> he was supposed to be like very it was supposed to be more about the staff and then the president every now and then showed up, but his brief little like five to ten minute speech at the end of the pilot was so good that they quick pivoted and made him like the most important character in the show but yeah the the Sam versus Josh thing is interesting because listening to the podcast they give you some insight into like there were a lot of contract negotiations and Rob Lowe like took a big pay cut to be on the show and there was all this stuff but I honestly think what might have tanked it is like Sam's first storyline is so frustratingly bad. Oh yeah, the whole thing with the call girl is so terrible. Yes, that like it took me a like a full season to like Sam. Yeah, because he is just annoying and just so stubborn and then also like problematic in the first season just like Sam I feel like it took him a while where totally. the first like two seasons every third episode Sam would just say something like wildly misogynistic you're like Sam what are you what yeah and I guess it's like an Aaron Sorkin thing too but yeah Aaron Sorkin think... definitely has has issues with women mm-hmm. from from time to time I love a lot of the women on the show and I think they are written very well but every once in a while you're like did you really did you need to did you did you need to say that? <laughs> There's like yes, that weird definitely. like one one of the first episodes where it's it's Josh and I think Leo and 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 Toby. These women, yeah, they're like, oh, look at terrible. these women. It's like, <laughs> was that necessary? <laughs> like, you really no, need to very point bad. that out. And then later on, there's a whole episode where Sam gets into heat. Some other woman coworker calls out Sam for saying that Ainsley looks hot in her dress. Right. And Ainsley doesn't take issue with it. It's like, uh, it, it's just, it feels very much like when someone is just trying to write about something they're not familiar with. And Aaron Sorkin, like, by trying to defend himself, dug himself into a deeper hole. So, yeah, yeah. for the most part, he does a good job. But every now and then, you just get some stuff that, looking back, is like, ugh, hey. Yeah, why? Aaron, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, come on. But, yeah, I think I, you're totally right about Sam and, and Rob Lowe. I mean, you know, no disrespect to, to Rob Lowe. But, he, you know, it's funny watching this after having seen Parks and Rec, because it it mm-hmm. feels like his character on Parks and Rec is like a much funnier version of this character in a way. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, like a much more likable version of this character. But he's he he still has that kind of weird like like dead in the eyes almost performance for a while. Like 
Like, yeah, like, I don't think it's any fault of Rob Lowe. I think it's just the writing of, yeah. of early Sam was a bit strange. And Josh seemed to have a lot of the better storylines and the more interesting love connection with yeah, when is he ever going to get with Donna versus right. the other people that he sees in and off, on and off. And Sam never really had a compelling love story. Yeah. Him and Ainsley were like kind of supposed to be a thing, but then the actress who did Ainsley like became a main character on CSI Miami, I think. Right. So yeah. So I think something. that kind of swept the rug under that. So I just feel like there's never any traction behind Sam. I don't think it was any any fault of Rob Lowe at all. He still did a great job, but it's yeah. funny for some of the late Rob Lowe, Sam Seaborn episodes before he leaves the show, mm-hmm. you see some of the Chris Traeger breaking through. Yeah. And it's so much more enjoyable. And I watched, we binged all of Parks and Rec before we started the West Wing. Oh, so nice. Parks and Rec was our first quarantine binge thing. This was so the you're second. just having a Rob Lowe-a-thon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, we had no idea he was in the West Wing. It was a very I pleasant love that. surprise. I love that. But, but when you get to see the little glimmers of Chris Traeger, you're like, oh, that's why Chris Trigger as a character worked so well because Rob Lowe is just so attractive that you want him to be likable. Yeah. So when Rob Lowe like says something misogynistic, it hurts like extra hard. Yeah. Because you're like, no, <laughs> not this nice, no, likable, good-looking so guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally, totally. Though I do want to shout out. You're right. The storyline is terrible, but I love. Uh, what's her name? Lisa Edelstein, who plays the the call girl that he. Oh, yeah, she's that actress is fantastic. That's fabulous. That plot line was just so frustrating. It was so like pretty woman. Ugh, I didn't enjoy it. No, it's 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 super dated and like and like wasn't handled well, even at the time it was. Um, But she's amazing. If you don't know, she plays Dr. Cuddy on House. Um, If you want to see her get to like have a much better role. (laughs) That's a yes, that's a good one to watch. (laughs) But yeah, so while we're talking about Sam, I was trying to think, and I was having a harder time thinking about what Sam would drink, but I kind of feel like he'd go with just like a gin and tonic or something. Like, Yeah, I mean, in the show, I think the very first thing that happens in the first scene of the first episode is he orders a Dewar's on the Rocks, I think. So he seems like a very simple drink kind of guy. Yeah, it's like a Dewar's on the Rocks or like a martini or something. I think the show opens with mm-hmm. their like, two martinis dry and Dewar's on the Rocks. Which um, mm-hmm. I judge a little bit the doers on the rocks. <laughs> I've become <laughs> just because my um, my husband and my in laws are big Scotch drinkers, mm-hmm. but they like well Winston really likes the the like I lay really peaty single malts, so like Lagavulin and Laphroaig mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Which I'm not a huge Scotch drinker, but when I do, I I tend to go for those. And mm-hmm. doers doer doers is fine, but it's just like. If you're a, I mean, I, I don't know how much money people in the government make, but I was like, you could get a better scotch. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I, I really enjoy whiskey. I do not like scotch at all. To me, scotch just sure. feels like a thinner, lighter whiskey. Like mm-hmm. it feels like someone watered down whiskey, but then told you it's actually supposed to be better and more expensive and you're just supposed to believe them. Yeah. So I think I'm sure it's my like childish, not fully refined taste buds. But I think scotch is like incredibly overrated. I think it's just worse whiskey. <laughs> I agree. A lot of the like Highland scotches and the blends and stuff like that. I don't care for them very much. If you ever if you haven't, if you want to try um, some of the peatier, smokier scotches, okay, they are in tense they are a very different flavor but <laughs> those are really good i think personally okay okay um so i i recommend i recommend giving them a try they may not be your thing and that's totally fine they're very it's a very divisive 
flavor because it's so smoky. Yeah. You mentioned Lagavulin. I know Toby drinks it at some point. In the episode with with Lord John Marbury, they drink some Lagavulin. Oh my God, Toby would so be a Lagavulin drinker. And and after watching a lot of Parks and Rec, I feel like I I feel like I should like Lagavulin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just based on Ron Swanson liking it, I feel like I want to like it. I've never had it, but if I if I whenever I do, I hope I enjoy it so that I can feel cool to the fictional character of Ron Swanson. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, it makes total sense to me that. Toby would would drink a Lagavulin because when mm-hmm. I was thinking of what Toby would drink, I was like, it's everything that like really snooty like wine people would <laughs> <laughs> would drink. <laughs> Though he I, does get Jack Daniels on the rocks a fair amount, which I found interesting for Toby. Oh well, yeah, which again feels like you could buy a better whiskey. Toby. Yeah, 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 Toby, come on, you could buy a better whiskey. But you know, sometimes and and at least. In rewatching the beginning, like a lot of the time they're they're just drinking like cheap beer and stuff like that. And I was like, that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you're working in government. It's really stressful. You just need something to get you through. <laughs> <laughs> so that that makes sense to me too. But I do feel like I do feel like Toby would yeah, definitely log a Vulan. He'd like order an old fashioned, but be like really specific to the bartender about how they make it and mm-hmm. he would i if he drank wine i think he would be one of those people who because having having worked in the wine industry there's a lot of uh shall we say generally older white gentlemen um who mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who the worst people yeah who really like their napa cabernet sauvignon mm-hmm. it's kind of a status thing but it's also kind of an elitist thing I mean, they're great wines, but it's like definitely like when somebody comes in and they're like, oh, do you have like a vintage? What vintage of Opus One do you have? Or like something like that. You're like, okay, I know you're showing off. And that would totally be Toby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Yeah, I could feel it uh, for sure. I my, my goal in life is to never become anything close to one of those people ever. Like, yes. Even if I did have encyclopedic wine knowledge, I feel like I would play down to it just so that I didn't come off as a dick. Yeah. Like I would I would try to as very simply as possible be like, hey, even if I was looking for something specific, I would put it in these very much like as much layman term as possible. Absolutely. <laughs> that I didn't sound snooty. Yeah. I, I, I try to do that like when I go into wine stores. Not that I'm not that I'm like the biggest wine expert in the world, but but when I go into wine stores, I try to just be like really nice to people and uh, and not be not be a jerk about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, we have to talk about probably my favorite character on the show is CJ. Oh, she's the most perfect character. Anyone that doesn't pick CJ as their favorite character is incorrect. Yes, is uh, wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Allison Janney is a legend, and definitely watching yeah. this, I was like, okay, she's like my acting hero. I want to be just like mm-hmm. her. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's got on to have a... a a prolific and very interesting career, but she's amazing. She can do no wrong. And um, when I was thinking about, so I just watched, I just watched the episode in the first season where they go, where they go to the bar and the guys start hitting on Zoe and um, oh yeah yeah and yeah Charlie, Charlie beats him up yeah yeah. But when she goes to the bar, she's getting a drink for CJ, which is the grasshopper. Yeah. Wait, so is it CJ ordering it or is she ordering it for someone? I think I think it's 
CJ, it doesn't make sense because because I think CJ wants this drink, but Zoe goes to get it for her. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, But Zoe is 19. <laughs> exactly. And like, why would you send the underage person to the bar <laughs> to get the drink? It, does, it, it, it doesn't make sense. But I had to look up what a grasshopper was. And <laughs> this might sound good to some people, but it looks really gross to me. It's um, creme de menthe, creme de cacao, heavy cream, and ice. So it's basically like mint chocolate chip. Alcoholic mint chocolate chip. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Which doesn't sound good to me, but you know, if that's if that's your thing, more power to you. But I feel like that that is not what CJ would drink. No, for me, it feel I I had definitely heard of a grasshopper before, but never had one or seen anyone get it or know what the ingredients were yeah in my brain when i watched this episode i and they said grasshopper i thought screwdriver and that makes more sense to me as something cj would actually drink definitely yeah i think she would definitely be like a more utilitarian kind of cocktail drinker Um, i could also see her just like having a whiskey sour or something like that um Mm -hmm. which was which was my go-to cocktail for for a long time maybe i'm projecting um. <laughs> yeah, whiskey sour. No, whiskey sour has been a, a recent thing for me too. I it was again one of those like I've heard about this drink before, but never had it. And yeah. then my wife Kelly's an architect, and she worked on a place that made a really cool bar that we went to like a couple Ooh, times nice. before the world shut down. Yeah, and. <laughs> Because her firm was building it, they like did like a soft open for anyone that was involved in making the bar happen. Nice. So we got to go and get like thirty percent off cocktails, which was really cool. And they had, I, I it wasn't a whiskey sour, but it was I think it was some it was a fancy like gin sour, and it had the frothiness Ooh. on top. And and I remember really liking it, but not understanding that that's what it means when you get like a something sour. Right. So someone was telling me about it, and I was like, oh, that's what whiskey sour is. Like we just had this kind of drink. So I started making them during quarantine and it's been a, a quite a revelation. I was like, oh, it's just lemon and simple syrup and whiskey and an egg white. Yeah. Chill. Uh, so we've been making those. And apparently I, I did some research here and Donna gets a whiskey sour at least once in the show. Oh, look at that. I could see I could definitely see mm-hmm. Donna being a whiskey sour drinker, too. It's a it's yeah. a really solid cocktail and it sounds like you're doing it like fancy like getting getting egg white in there and everything i used to i used to just get like you know whatever whiskey it was and and sour mix which is not as good <laughs> it's i enjoy the egg white thing it's nice it makes yeah. it like, really nice and frothy we got a, a shaker thing yeah. from registry like leftover money from our from our like cash fund in the wedding which Amazing. was a nice fun purchase so you get to feel all cool doing the shaky thing yeah uh, i enjoy it i'm, a I'm fan. gonna have to i'm gonna have to up my cocktail game i think the main thing is like often in my fridge i will have like a spare lemon and then i always have eggs yeah so if i want one it's easier for me to put one together than if i like had to dedicate it by sour mix yeah it's also the same way i do mark the same way i do margaritas i just do like lime juice tequila simple syrup or if i've made like jalapeno syrup yeah uh and then agave uh and just like mix it all together so yeah i think it's more of like i don't drink that much so to have a dedicated sour mix for drinking feels silly but just to have like normal ingredients like yeah i've got some limes totally let's make a margarita totally. no i'm the i'm the same way i it, when i make margaritas i just do tequila 
fresh lime juice and Cointreau. So I try to keep Cointreau around. Nice, nice. Rather than I know making simple syrup like it's you can you can make it pretty easily, but it's just mm-hmm. easier easier to have it there. Um, and my other go to like at home drink is is a Negroni um, because it's so simple because it's just those three yeah. ingredients of the Campari, the gin, and the vermouth, and e- mm-hmm. equal parts. Stir them together, form over ice. It's easy. Boom. But yeah, it sounds like your your cocktail game is on point. So props to you. I do what I can. Yeah, I do what I can. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a fancy boy, uh, and I I am not like a. I can't handle like old fashions and stuff, like mm-hmm. things that are just straight liquor. I do, I am not. I do not have a refined enough palate to enjoy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need something in there to to water it down. Yeah, so. yeah. For sure. Anything for sure. like a ginger beer or a citrusy drink will make me very happy. Yeah. Hence the margaritas and the whiskey sours. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I was trying to think. I was thinking that maybe uh, Donna actually was like a would have a tequila cocktail or something like whether it Ooh. whether it's a margarita or like a tequila sunrise or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I could see the first lady really enjoying margaritas. Yeah. Because she's like the she's the quirky fun one. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, hey, Jed. <laughs> so I could see her getting very excited, to be like, "Let's get margaritas, ladies!" To yeah. you know, Amy and <laughs> Donna and all those other yeah. folks she likes to drink with from time to time. Yeah, actually, actually, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, that works for me too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Leo can't have any drink because he's an alcoholic, so he's out. Yes, yes. And I did. He does love to describe drinks. Yes, yes. We were saying, we were saying just before we started recording, the way Leo like describes things (laughs) is really unappealing. (laughs) The way, the way he describes food is incredibly unappetizing. He goes into way too much detail because it's like definitely a thing on the West Wing where they like, an Aaron Sorkin thing where it's yeah. like, let's just over describe this thing, whether it's like people bragging about what schools they went to or what jobs they had, right. or when they're talking about military stuff and they talk about all the tech specs or whatever. And then sometimes Leo does it with food where he talks about like whatever fancy food they're having. And as we were saying before recording, like it's Leo, he does it. I love John Spencer, but He's like great. when he describes the food, he does it with this like little smirk where he sounds turned on <laughs> by the food and it makes me feel uncomfortable and makes the food unappetizing. Yep. And there's one instance in the show where he does that for wine mm. and same thing it just like yeah. the combination of snooty and him sounding like he's aroused by the wine i'm yeah. like i don't want this wine yeah um, <laughs> the one thing i do think is really good is when he describes his alcoholism i think it's mm. done like really well on the show really effectively i agree and and also he just makes drinking in in one of the episodes specifically he talks about having johnny walker black label or blue label mm-hmm. one of the the fancy ones mm-hmm. and he like explicitly just makes it sound so cool talking about like the feel of the glass in the hand and the ice in it and blah 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 like yeah that is the one time i think the describing goes very well but when he starts listing off all the ingredients in particulars i i'm out I'm yeah yeah out. it's too much it's too much yeah i did i did want to mention that i i do think they handle his alcoholism very well um or better mm-hmm. better than a lot of other shows and tele television and film can handle addiction um and i think it's done i think it's done very thoughtfully and um and compassionately so that's a nice refreshing thing yeah they portray it as an actual addiction because he talks about just like if i have one drink i have 10 i don't understand not 
having that. And he says like the yeah. one line where it's like, I don't understand people who leave half a glass of wine on the table. So yeah. th- like the way he describes it is actually like a disease like it is Absolutely. as opposed to like the Hollywood stereotype of like, this guy's an angry person. Thus he pounds a bunch of drinks because he's mean. That's why he's alcoholic. You know? Right. I don't like that correlation. No, me neither. And and I also like that. I mean, I think... You know, Leo, Leo as a character, I mean, he's pretty he's pretty level, you know, all the time. He's mm-hmm. not necessarily somebody that, you know, just from a narrative perspective, if just taking him at face value, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that guy's an alcoholic. Um, but exactly. It turns out in real life, you know, anybody can have addiction issues and uh, and it can affect, you know, all sorts of people. So I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the way that storyline is handled for sure. Yeah, Um, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I was trying to think, trying to think what to do for Jed for Bartlett or Josiah. (laughs) I mean, church wine is definitely his go-to drink. I think. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes, definitely. I don't know. I mean, he, he he has beer. He feels like a guy that just likes beer. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got that kind of all-American feel to him, which is why I think that he probably also, like, would have, like, bourbon on the rocks. Yeah, definitely. Because bourbon's, like, a very American whiskey. And I feel uh-huh. like I feel like he'd probably enjoy that. He probably has, like, a couple of nice bottles of bourbon that he, like, drinks over the course of several years. <laughs> yeah. There's there one of the episodes when he wins re-election, him and the first lady... Mm-hmm. are they're drinking i don't know if it is martinis or they're just having it in martini glasses the mm. worst glasses ever invented i hate martinis uh, <laughs> as a, i was a server for like three years and oh just whoever invented those glasses needs to die because yep. they don't <laughs> hold liquid they're they're absolutely terrible anytime someone ordered a martini i would always be like do you want that in a martini glass or a rocks glass and yeah Anytime someone was like, oh, I don't care. I was like, I'm putting this in a rocks glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to spill it. It's so stupid. It's, it's such so a terrible stupid. glass. So there, he does some sort of drink in a martini glass with the first lady. That's nice. that's that. And then I think there's a couple of times where if he has someone either in, in the Oval or, or whatever, where he has some sort of brown liquor that you would assume is like a, a very fancy bourbon just yeah. on the rocks. I am surprised with how much liquor there is in the West Wing, like physical location building. Right. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I was different when I had like normal person job. When I was an engineer, it was like you couldn't have alcohol on the premise at all. You no. couldn't have alcohol like in your car. Like I remember there was a time where I was going straight from work to a party after so I just like threw some bottles of hard liquor in my trunk uh-huh. and that day somehow it came up in conversation that someone once got fired for that and I was like oh my God. <laughs> that's so funny who would do that so I don't know if it was just an engineering thing but like I'm surprised at how often they're like yeah let's grab some beers like you guys are in the West Wing <laughs> I feel like that I feel like they they can't do that I don't think they could fire you if you if you if they're closed bottles of liquor that's that's your business, you know, like, yeah, but the 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 one difference is that when that happened, I was working on a like a plant, like I wore hard hat, steel toed boots and and stuff. So like it. maybe it was a safety issue in that regard. I but see. But even still, like we weren't when I worked at like the corporate headquarters, we weren't like cool office that has, you know, a lobby with a beer fridge. Right, right. We, we had nothing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's like in the in the real West Wing. I feel like I feel like you're there so long 
so much. Like these people are there yeah, so maybe much it's more that they've got to they've got to have something there at the end of the long day. Like there's so many scenes I feel like where definitely, they definitely yeah they work such long hours eating Chinese food and like drinking beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, definitely feels more normal. I totally get it. One of the other things I did note when I was looking up different drinks that they have, yeah. um, they mention Schweppes Bitter Lemon all the time on the show, and I've never seen that ever. Schweppes Bitter Lemon. I've never lemon. seen a single human get it. Uh, I don't even know what it is. Like, I don't know if it is, I don't know if it's technically like a, t- a tonic water yeah. or a club soda. I have no idea what it is, but they reference it a lot. I've seen other other brands of bitter lemon, and yeah, it's sort of like a tonic, but it's made with obviously lemon, so it's like citrusy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that Schweppes made such a thing. <laughs> that sounds very much like product placement to me. Like maybe Schweppes <laughs> Schweppes sponsored a couple of episodes or something, <laughs> because otherwise, because that does happen. But otherwise, I've never heard of that. And if I were to get bitter lemon. I would not get it, get the Schweppes brand. <laughs> it feels like something that Aaron Sorkin drinks and then is surprised to find out that not everyone else drinks. Yeah. He's like, what? Not, yeah. not everyone drinks Schweppes bitter lemon? Come on, it's the best. Yeah. Jeez. So, it feels very on brand. And on the complete flip side, though, Ainsley Hayes, at one point, there's a whole storyline uh-huh. where she's upset that they don't have Fresca in the, the mess hall. That's right. And... As a child that loved to drink Fresca, oh my God. Um, I I very much appreciate it. I don't know why I liked Fresca. Maybe just because it was different, but like I don't like grapefruits. I loved Fresca. Oh, you do? Oh, you love Fresca. Okay, I was going to say, you love grapefruits. Why? I, I, I find grapefruit flavored things better than actual grapefruits. Yeah, no, I think I think I agree there. I do I do like grapefruit, but it's it's not like a... I love it, but I do, I often, mm-hmm. I, I like grapefruit things. And actually I used to get in my hometown, there was like this seemingly like skeevy dive bar. Um, it wasn't actually skeevy, but it was a little bit of a dive <laughs> bar. Um, but they had, they had like a fresh juicer there. So Ooh. yeah. So I would go there and get um, tequila greyhounds. So it, so it was just tequila and grapefruit juice. Oh. And I loved those. And they were like, and they charged you like $5 for it. It was amazing. Oh, the best. Gosh, yeah. the best. So, so much better. So much better than <laughs> any bar in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's really rough. I, I, yeah. I, one thing I do not think I will be uh, bringing back into my life post quarantine is just like going to bars. I already yeah. didn't order drinks at bars pretty much ever just because it was so expensive and and I don't need alcohol to have fun. But yeah. like at a house party, like I'll pound them back. Right. But yeah, New York prices are ridiculous. It, it's it's qu- quite absurd. It is. It is. But yeah, I'll probably I'll probably still order drinks at bars cuz that's my guilty pleasure, but but I Go for it. I do I do miss that bar in my hometown. <sighs> <sighs> so much so much better and so much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it, this I am intrigued to see if there's any sort of drink with Fresca that would be good, uh, like yeah. more I, like more exciting than just throwing vodka in a Fresca. Right. But it does it does make me intrigued to see like if there was something that would make it taste very fun, just because I have enjoyed Fresca right. in, in my youth, and maybe to find an adult way. Because really, the only way I drink soda now is if I have a mixed drink. Like I don't yeah. ever just drink soda. Yeah, it's only neither. if I'm having like a ginger beer with whiskey or or something. Yeah, I feel like I want to say 
something like I have to look look up what exactly this is, but I don't know if you if you've ever had a French seventy five. No, I've not. It sounds very fancy there. Yeah, it is very very fancy. Um, it's it's a cocktail made from gin, champagne, lemon juice. Probably not real champagne, but sparkling some sort of sparkling <laughs> wine. Sparkling uh, lemon juice and sugar. So I feel like something hmm. something like that. I'm also thinking of. There's a liqueur like Saint Germain. It's an, an elderflower liqueur. I feel like you could do something like with mm. gin, something like that, and fresca, and it would be really yummy. Yeah, like what's in a gin fizz? Let's see. Gin fizz. Liquor.com tells me. Yeah. <laughs> after it gives me a soliloquy. I hate this when you look up a drink recipe and it's like, gin was invented in. Yeah. Like, Shut up. Tell me how to make it. <laughs> I don't uh, need It's to apparently know that. two ounces of gin, one ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, and egg white. Oh, and ah, club soda. egg white. So maybe there a you gin go. fizz, but you sub out club soda, which is gross and terrible, yeah. for fresca, which is wonderful and delicious. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a gin fizz with fresca and I'll report back. Yes, please let us know how it goes. Because <laughs> um, that sounds, that sounds delicious to me. And I will call it the Ainsley Hayes. Yes! <laughs> perfect. Perfect. In her honor. Yes, indeed, indeed. Inter- interestingly enough, um, I, I feel like most people have like that one kind of liquor that they like don't drink or can't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly enough for me, it's vodka. Oh, I would do it not on like a, I would agree with that. It's not necessarily like when people are like, oh, I can't have tequila because I die. You right, know, like right. Like those things. But vodka to me is just like so uninspiring that I don't see the point. Like yeah. I don't understand the purpose. I guess when you're, you know, 21 in quotation marks years old. Right. And you're trying to just like not taste liquor, but get drunk. Like, yeah, I get that. But as a grown human adult, I do not understand putting vodka in something because it has, I don't think it brings anything to the table. Maybe I'm just having the wrong vodka. Maybe if I go to Russia, it's like incredible, but I would agree. It's like, I never choose a vodka drink because it's like, I'm just paying money for this to become alcoholic. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, to me, like at best you, you, don't taste the vodka. <laughs> exactly. You, yeah, yeah. If you can taste the vodka. <laughs> Worst it's case not scenario is that you good. do taste the thing <laughs> you've put in your drink. Yeah. That's not great for a liquor. Yeah. I remember a couple years ago when uh, Winston was still in law school, and we went out with some of his law school friends, and one of <laughs> one of his friends, she was like, "I'm buying everybody a round of shots. Is vodka good?" And I was like. Absolutely not. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Correct answer. Correct answer. Yeah, that is that is the last thing I want to take a shot of. Um, yeah, pure rubbing alcohol. Yeah, basically. yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I have heard um, there are like some very good Russian and Polish vodkas that like if you mm-hmm. like sip them chilled, they're kind of nice, and that that mm-hmm. I can kind of believe. Um, but but otherwise, what's what's the point? What's the right. point? For sure. I totally understand. Yeah. Gin is an interesting one for me where like gin on its own, I cannot stand. Gin sure. mixed with other things I think is fantastic. Yep. Like I, for the longest time, the only drink I had, it was like the first cocktail I had and I stuck with it for such a long time was a gin and tonic. Yeah. And then I remember I was doing a, 
bar crawl with some of my friends in when I was living in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. And we were going specifically to places that did cool cocktails for our friend's birthday because he was really into cocktails. Nice. And one of the places we went to is this martini bar. And I had never had one. And someone was like, oh, you can either get like a vodka martini or a gin martini. And I was like, oh, I really like gin and tonics. I would probably love a gin martini. Yeah. I'll have one of those. <laughs> and I took one sip and I was like, ah. Yep, yep. What have I done? <laughs> nope. I, I agree. I don't, I, I don't dislike gin on its own as much as I dislike vodka. But on its mm-hmm. own, it is very, it's, it's a strong flavor. It's a strong flavor. Yeah, powerful. I, I will never understand I will never understand how gin and tonic is like, here's this bad thing, tonic, and this bad thing, (laughs) and this good thing, lime, and we put the three together, and now it's amazing. Exactly. (laughs) I'm so confused. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know. It's it's some some weird magic, Uh, (laughs) because I I also, I love gin and tonics in the the summertime. Like, that's that's Mm. my one of my go to just like refreshing cocktails. But Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. on their on their own, they're just all, all all kind of gross. Um, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I wanted to mention one other character. Well, we've got a couple other characters to talk about, I uh-huh. think. But one in particular um, who's very dear to my heart, which is Mrs. Landingham. Mrs. Landingham, she's, no! No! <laughs> she's the best. Oh, that, that, she's wonderful. That, Fantastic. I love her. Yeah, and, um, and that actor... I believe her name is Catherine Justin or Justin. Yes. I don't know exactly how to pronounce I think, it. I think you kind of J the Justin. Yeah, yeah. I think I, 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 she's American, so we pronounce J's here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, I think this was one of her first acting roles. Like she didn't become an actor until much later in her life. I think she. Yes, was, that's true. She, it was very late in the game. Yeah, she was like a nurse or something. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so I, I I always just I like to think of her and be like, yeah, it's okay to not, you know, like you've got time in your life to do mm-hmm. all sorts of things. For me, that's always Greg Popovich. Yeah. Greg Popovich is a like Hall of Fame soon to be Hall of Fame coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh-huh. And I don't think he got his first like head coaching job until he was like 50 something yeah so yeah anytime i feel bad about things where it's like this 19 year old is worth a jillion dollars because they you know made this very successful whatever uh i don't feel sad anymore because it's like as long as i do it before 54 i'm okay yeah (laughs) yeah and i think that's something in our society that like we focus so much on like young people being super successful at a yeah it's really weird yeah and then but i think we should also you know, value people becoming successful at something new later in their life, later in their careers. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she just always just makes me makes me happy. But ugh, Mrs. Landingham, so sad. Yeah, I feel like a drink for her. She'd be like a sneaky like seems like so nice and innocent, but is like incredibly well versed in alcohol. Yeah, and just has like the fanciest stuff, and like she only drinks things neat because why would you? Oh, absolutely. Water down alcohol. Like I could see her being a secret, you know, I whiskey neat and nothing else. Yeah, Don't put ice cubes in it. How dare you, kind of person. Yeah, I was, I was definitely thinking she, she could be like a single malt scotch drinker, like mm-hmm. neat, and you know, as mm-hmm. as they drink it in Scotland, and. I think I think that makes perfect sense for her. Like she's she's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, her and Ron Swanson feel like they would be aligned. Yes, definitely. Definitely. We haven't talked about Charlie. Yes, I was Charlie that's would right. Be that's great. who's I know. I love Charlie. 
Uh, Harley's the best. Dulé I Hill. think he's so fun. Dulé Hill is fantastic. I am currently in the episodes where he's trying to win Zoe back from the French snooty boyfriend oh, that she has, yeah. Jean-Paul. That's right. So, I sort of remember that. Ugh, yeah. So, so team Charlie. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what drink Charlie would like. I feel like Charlie would just like drink whatever. Yeah. I don't think he really cares. Yeah. I feel like he 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 would just kind of get what everybody else is getting or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, he'd be like, "What are you getting?" And then he'd get one. Yeah. Like not not in a like he's a he's a follower sort of way, but just he's he's an easygoing kind of presence and so he yeah and i bet he's also kind of a person who likes to try new things and so you know depending on who who he's drinking with he might he might uh like just have what they're having just to try something new yes i definitely agree i think he could be a very flexible drinker which which i definitely was early on like once i once i started expanding and especially for me like i waited till i was 21 to drink um just like, just because I I saw some bad stuff happen yeah. to people my freshman year of high school. Four Loco came out when I was a freshman. Oh jeez. So yeah, that was yep. like yep. I a remember. lot of my friends. I remember a lot of my friends Loco. had some bad situations yeah. there. So I was yep. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. So when I did turn 21, it was like a thing where people were like very excited to get me drinks, uh, right? Because finally they knew I would drink them. So for a long time, when I first turned 21, I would just be like, whatever you want, I don't care. And I would have like a crown and Coke and I'd be like, this is nice. Or I would have, you know, uh, a fireball and I'd be like, this is bad. So (laughs) it was a learning experience for sure. (laughs) But I just, for a long time, I would just like get whatever and then take mental note of what was good and what tasted terrible. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's a good way. It's a good way to learn like what you what you like. <laughs> I I may or may not have begun drinking before I turned 21. Who can say? <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, exactly. Um <laughs> I didn't I didn't start drinking till till pretty close to 21 though. I mm-hmm. I I was like it was my sophomore junior year of college. So I similarly like I never drank in high school or anything like that, but but I do remember my twenty first birthday. Which similarly, like everybody wanted to buy me drinks, and oof, I that's that's where I learned about not mixing alcohol. <laughs> mm, um, yes, yes, yes. Slash slash, just like I mean, it was my twenty first birthday, and I thought I would be fine. I was not fine the next day. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think though. I mean, I do think he he Charlie would kind of drink whatever, but I'm trying to think I also think like a like a a whiskey ginger or something like that or like a Moscow mule, yeah. like something with ginger yeah. beer in it might be might be something that he he would like. I feel like Charlie feels like a soda and liquor guy. Like yeah. I can see him getting like a rum and coke, a jack and coke, uh like you said, a whiskey ginger, Definitely. ginger beer and something. A mule of sorts. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he he feels like a, a, a mix of soda and liquor to me just because he's like he's energetic and fun and that. And that's what I was kind of feel like with those drinks. It's like a fun, a fun time. Definitely. But also like still cool. Exactly. And, and he's also secretly a girly drink, but not letting you know. That's my favorite thing about the Moscow mules that like it, it was especially if you get it with vodka, like it's a girly drink, but they're like, let's put it in a copper mug. So boys order it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But like at its core, it's a girly drink. It's sugar, vodka, and lime, and yeah. ginger beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, it it's delicious. That's actually Moscow Mules are the one vodka drink that I will drink occasionally, just because. Yeah. Just because they're tasty. 
Um, right. But I always think they're instantly better if you add whiskey. And also, let me preface yeah. when I say like girly drink versus manly drink, I do not like actually believe in having gendered drinks. I'm oh, just saying yeah. like what society has deemed, just in case anyone isn't aware of like yeah. how <laughs> bullshit I think that kind of stuff is. Uh, <laughs> but just for ease of like conversation. But yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, th- I think they're very good. But I, I remember once at a party. Say someone was talking about Moscow Mules, and I was like, "Yeah, I like them, but like, I feel like it'd be better with whiskey." And we were at someone's house, and I was like, "Wait a second, yeah, <laughs> I have control now." And yeah. then I've never, <laughs> I've never had one with vodka ever since. Okay, that that's amazing, and and I will. I don't think I've ever had one with whiskey, so I'm very oh, excited. Really I will good. try that. I think it's technically called a. I think it's technically called a Dublin Mule if you do it with Irish whiskey. Got and it. And if you do it with bourbon, it's like a Kentucky Mule. But Got I think it. they're both very good, and it was it easily became me and my wife's like go-to drinks so much so that at our wedding our two like signature drinks we had an open bar for beer and wine but then we had nice. like two signature cocktails that mm-hmm. people could get so my drink was a spicy margarita and kelly's was a uh a, a dublin mule so nice. jameson with ginger beer and lime we similarly at our at our wedding we had we we had an open bar for beer and wine um and then I remember margaritas were one of the cocktails, but I think <laughs> I think the other cocktail was not a cocktail, but my my in-laws just bought like a ton of really nice scotch. And, Ooh, fun. And, which was which was great, but but all like <laughs> people got a little got got into their cups with the scotch a bit <laughs> because yeah, they were that was that was uh, an intentional choice on our end to only the only alcohol possible to get was a signature drink that was made not very strong by uh, the people because we we did not want to have uh, you know situations at the wedding. No, that was very wise of you. We we did not <laughs> have that foresight and. <laughs> I also like I was in charge of all the the beer and wine because I was working in a wine store so I just got it all um but Smart, the yeah. but the the other alcohol is like you get you know between Winston and my in-laws because they're they're more the hard alcohol drinkers I was like you guys do whatever you want take care of that um but we also at our reception there was a pool <laughs> and Whoa. uh a couple people fell into well people a lot of people jumped into the pool <laughs> yeah. um, but but a couple of people fell into the pool and <laughs> uh and so we had to we had to make sure a couple people were okay um but but oh, it, luckily everybody was everybody was um, good you love to hear it yeah exactly it was good times good times great oldies okay who who else are we missing I mean, I guess Amy. There's so many characters at this point. We've hit yeah. all the major ones, I think. Uh, I think so. I think I think we've hit it all there. I mean, yeah, you could like Amy would would be a prominent one, right? I I feel like she would just get. I feel like she would get something that one of those drinks that's like fancy and has like a cool sounding name. So like a Cosmopolitan or a Manhattan. Like, yeah, or an old fashioned something, something that's that's like fancy and and like kind of pretentious, but not too, but also still like a very common drink that normal people get. It feels yeah. like Amy. I think I yeah, she could be like a cosmopolitan maybe or something. Right. Yeah. Like a, a that, that's that's drinker. what I was feeling. And then Mandy would be if you order a drink at a bar and then the bartender never gives it to you. <laughs> she's gone after. <laughs> she just disappears without a trace. What happened? Two. <laughs> What happened? Did you did you ever find out? Like it? Did yeah. It, okay. Tell me. Tell uh, me what they, happened. So they say it in the podcast. So yeah, she's there season one, and then like just isn't there. Just disappears. Uh, yeah. After that, so she was like brought on 
Moira Kelly's the actress. She's like mm-hmm. a fine actress. Voiced Nala in the original Lion King, which is fun. Oh. And she she was like brought on to like kind of be the love interest for Josh. Right. Like they were supposed to have they were supposed to have the relationship that I think Josh and Amy ended up having, where mm. it's like they like each other but they butt heads on stuff. Right. But there was just no chemistry there between her and Josh Uh but then there was a ton of chemistry between Josh and Donna so she just felt like unnecessary and I because the way the show at least by the credits it was it would say Rob Lowe and then Moira Kelly and then it was alphabetical so interesting I I think either that or maybe she just fell no she wouldn't be because Allison Janney would come before her yeah Um, so yeah they were top two billing so I think it was probably a combination of the audience just like not vibing with her mm-hmm. and the character mm-hmm. and probably she was expensive to keep around that they just let her go. They, yeah. I think they they like took a couple stabs at that character. Like Ainsley Hayes kind of became what Moira Kelly was supposed to be. Yeah. Like, uh, like Mandy was supposed to be the the like foil, the person that would like bring in the other side. But right. she just seemed like a Debbie Downer the whole time. Like yeah. every time she did anything, it was like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> she, she wasn't in a fun way. I, I think it made more sense with Ainsley because it was specifically like Ainsley Hayes is a Republican. Right. Thus, it makes sense why she has different ideas where for Mandy, it was like, why is Mandy always disagreeing with everyone about everything? Right. And I think people, the audience just didn't like her. I don't think people liked her. I didn't like her. I thought she was annoying. Interesting. Yeah, I never I never had like strong feelings about her one way or the other. I really like the actor. Um, she's also in... Oh, yes. She's great. She's also in, if you've ever seen uh, The Commitments... Which, I have not. Oh, I highly recommend it. It's um, okay. it's a Irish movie about an Irish soul band, Ooh. which is it's delightful. And so she, uh, she's one of the singers in that. Cool. Yeah. Again, it felt much like with Rob Lowe and Sam. I feel like it was no fault of Moira Kelly. I think it was just a combination of of the writing and the flow with the cast. Totally. So I, I don't think it's her fault. I think you're I think you're spot on and it, and it's like if you if you create a character specifically to just like be like the love interest or like the will they won't they person for another character and you don't really think through what her character is on her own, I could I mean, A that's that's, you know, problematic uh as as a writer uh-huh. but like i could understand how like at a certain point they're like well we don't have a reason to keep her anymore yeah. i mean it was definitely like an intentional thing of the will they won't they was supposed to be for josh and uh mandy because right. it was like they used to date now they're back and i know at the early creation of the show donna was not supposed to be a major player at all she was just supposed right. to be like one of the other assistants like ginger or margaret like right. there but not like an important character right but after the first couple of episodes, just the the chemistry between Josh and Donna became the more exciting, will they, won't they? That yes. people didn't really care about it. So to have two of them, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. So I think they, they favored for the one that the audience seemed to like more and, and just like fit more naturally. I also like, I don't, on the podcast, like some of the actors like talked about it a little bit. I uh-huh. think it was a little bit of a personality thing with Moira Kelly. Sure, but sure, that's I don't fair. Think, but not in like a bad way, more of just like everyone else was friends and got along and she didn't fit in. Not not like she was a diva right. or was hard to work with or whatever. It was just like everyone else was very 
close and I just think she was like on the outside so yeah that natural chemistry that like turned into plot later like Josh and Donna because Josh or Donna was not supposed to be a big deal right but because of how well she vibed with Josh and the other characters she became one I just think that yeah. natural thing wasn't there for uh for man I want to keep calling her Wanda because it's Friday it's, Wanda, fri- it's coming Friday out, but it's, it's Mandy not Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I think that that Mandy chemistry just wasn't there with anyone yeah and then when you couple that with her just being like the killjoy basically uh it just wasn't a, a compelling character to keep around so they just nicked her yeah well her. it happens it definitely happens but yeah, yeah for sure it's very it is very weird though i remember like suddenly like there's no explanation given for white or maybe there's like a brief explanation oh there's none absolutely none aaron sorkin famously in this series just like if someone's gone they're just gone and honestly i like it yeah like, why bother wasting time talking about why someone leaves because then you have to like find all these workarounds and then people have to justify like oh it doesn't make sense that like if they left for this blah 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 yeah like that that that's what always bugged me about it happens in like parks and rec and mm-hmm. the office like Every now and then, someone has to leave, and then they have a long-distance relationship for some reason, and then it's always, like, this big deal of, like, oh, no, Pam, you have to go to art school for three months. We're grown adults. Right. And we can't <laughs> deal with, like, being in a long-distance relationship for three months, and it's just, like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is so wild. Like, yeah. grow up. So I like that Aaron Sorkin's just like, yeah, this person's gone. We're just... Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, we don't I think... talk about him anymore. I like that, too. I think, it, you know, I mean, you can come up with your own headcanon of what happened to her, but I like to think she found yeah. a, another better job somewhere and or a job that, where she was happier. Um, yeah, or, for or sure. Something. I appreciate it. I, I think, like, why waste time? It's, it's not going to serve any purpose on the show anymore. Like, she's gone. Yeah. Wonder why for your own reasons. Let's just go. Totally. Okay. I think, yeah, I think we've covered most of the the main characters. Yeah, I think we got all the heavy hitters. Yeah. I do I just wanted to ask uh you know maybe as we wrap up um I do think this show has some like incredible moments and like really memorable lines and 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 stuff like that. Um and so I was wondering if you have like any favorite moments or episodes or Oh man. There's so many good ones. It's so hard. Um, gosh, there's so there's so much really solid stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy any scene with CJ is perfect. Oh yes, I I really enjoy her a whole lot. We just watched the one recently where she has to meet with Marion Coatsworth Hay about privateering. Right. And yeah, I sort of remember that. She says her. She like she says like I'm Marion Coatsworth Hay, and she just bursts into laughter. Yeah, like, that was very <laughs> very fun. Um, I think the episode, the whole one where. Josh is having like the PTSD mm-hmm. and he's in the meeting with with the the doctor about it the therapist yeah um, about his trauma like that's really really powerful stuff that's a great the whole one. two cathedrals episode with yep. the flashbacks to old school Mrs. Landingham and all of that yep I think that's really impressive so there's oh gosh there's so many good things yeah I was gonna say the one the like the scene that I remember most vividly is um, is Bartlett in the in the cathedral yelling yeah. at God, uh, calling mm-hmm. him a, like a feckless barbarian or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Throwing out the cigarette on the floor of the church. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's uh, it's it's really it's really good. It's really well done. Martin Sheen can deliver a good monologue, man. Yes, yes, he can. <laughs> He's very very solid at it. 
Yes, um, but I agree. Anything, anything with CJ, and I, lo- I do love how she just laughs. <laughs> Her laugh is so good. It's, it's so, so infectious. Good. It feels so authentic. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really feels like Allison Janney is laughing in that moment. Yes, she's very good. She does a very good convincing job of fake laughing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, I mean, like we've like we've mentioned, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin, sort of a problematic mm-hmm. uh, person slash writer at times, but but some really just terrific, terrific writing. Oh, and we just have to mention the uh, the I guess, what would you call it the the concept, the phenomenon of the walk and talk. Which oh this, yeah, incredible! <laughs> which this this show really cemented. Did um did Sports Night come out? He did that first. Sports Night was right? first. It was like season yeah. one of Sports Night came out. Yeah. Then season two and season one of The West Wing ran concurrently. Got it. And then I think because of how much West Wing, how much more successful West Wing was in Sports Night, Sports yeah. Night stopped after season two and then went on. I've never yeah. seen it, but they bring it up at a fair amount on the West Wing Weekly, especially because Joshua Molina was also right. on Sports Night and then starts on the West Wing from like halfway through season four and on. So lots of Sports Night references happen. That's right. Yeah. And he sort of takes over Rob Lowe's part. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. So um, I've never seen it. I would be intrigued to see Aaron Sorkin's like newer writing stuff because yeah, I think too. like he seems like the most the person most in need of a writer's room with people of color and women in it. Absolutely. So <laughs> he just needs like and I think that was a problem with the West Wing is like at the time it was written, he was like writing all the stuff. And then every other, you know, producer at the show was like a white male. And then there were like yeah. eventually they bring in like some white women for directing. But like no, none of the executive producers are anything yeah. except for white dudes. I feel like he would very much benefit just have one woman be like, hey, don't write that thing yeah. <laughs> like about <laughs> women that's bad or, you know, a person of color being like, hey, don't write this thing about my race. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like he w- he's he is an incredibly talented writer. I would hope that some of the stuff is just like 1999 not being a time where diversity was as in the forefront of Hollywood's minds. So I would be interested to see some of his newer stuff to see if it's better because I think that talent is there. He just needs someone to be like, hey, maybe don't say that. And then he'd be like, okay, cool. Thank you for telling me this. As yeah. opposed to me just thinking like, ah, this, yeah, women love to say this. Yeah. Like, no, they don't, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's normal for us to just be sitting here and staring at the women that we work with. For Look no at reason. these yeah. women. Oh, it's so bad. It's so <laughs> yeah. cringeworthy. Oh, it's so bad. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, at this point, I feel like he's he's such a personality and such an ego that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about him really personally in his life. I, I also would be, I think the most recent thing I've seen that he's done is The Social Network, and that was a long time ago. He did um, a movie recently that got some awards. Yeah, because he, he, he was at the Golden Globes. Let's see, I'll pull up his uh, IMDb. I mean, you just look at this, a picture of this guy, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never knew what he looked like until, uh, like, looking it up once. And when I did, I was like, "Yep, that's what Aaron Sorkin yep, looks like." Yep, that makes um, perfect sense. Yep. Oh, so he wrote Moneyball. Interesting. So he wrote Moneyball. Oh, yeah. He did. He had his new show, The Newsroom, which was in that's like right. 2012. Yeah. And then, oh, he did The Trial of Chicago Seven. That would be that's very, Molly's right. Game. Molly's Game was the one I was thinking of. Got it. So, I haven't seen The Trial of yeah. the Chicago Seven, but I, I, I did know. I think I did, did know that he, he wrote it. 
I have heard good things, and that would be a very uh, that would be the truest test of if he uh, if he did a good job about yep. stuff. Since yep. It's, Yep. Certainly about race. As you as you said, as you said. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the show is great. The ensemble cast is phenomenal. Um, it is very much like a white liberal fantasy, which, you know, has its has its place. But every once in a while, you're just like, oh, I w- wish you maybe took a couple other people's opinions into consideration but yeah so much of the stuff is just like if if you had one woman in the writing room she would yeah. like, don't say that like it's so easily avoidable all the yep. things yep yep i mean it's still it's still a great show i like in in rewatching yes. it it a lot of it just really holds up and mm-hmm. um oh i did want to say because i feel like I, I we didn't really talk about this character too much but just before we finish um i did want to give give a shout out to toby because i feel like i was kind of shitting on him earlier um (laughs) oh i mean like toby i if i knew toby in real life i would hate him i would absolutely hate him yeah he has his like nice redeemable moments but he's just sometimes he's just such a grump yeah that it's just like oh like get over it and then there's also a weird run in season three where he hits on every woman that exists so oh, yeah, I sort there's of some interesting, that. interesting Toby stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like he's he he has a good heart, but just like sometimes he's just such a curmudgeon and he's so dramatic. Like in the Absolutely. first episode where Will Bailey comes in and he like burns his drafts with oh, a lighter right. in the trash can, like get over yourself. And then <laughs> yep. his stupid Spalding ball that he throws at the window. It's like, oh, grow up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I um I I totally agree. Um I do just however like in rewatch I cuz I think I felt that way the first time I watched the show I was just like, "Uh, Toby." But um in mm. rewatching it, I I'm appreciating I think Richard Schiff is the actor's name. Um, yes, yes. Cuz I cuz I think he does a great job of playing that kind of really frustrating, unlikable part of that character. Yes, I think it's a masterful performance. And yeah. I would also hate Richard Schiff in real life based on his interviews with. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, on the, not, not in like a bad way, but just because like yeah. he's such like a I'm an actor and uh, I have a process like he's that guy. Oh, he's that and guy. That's uh. just like like he was like the theater kid, theater kid that I was just like. Yeah, <laughs> I just I not not for any bad reason, but I would just me as a human person. I would just knock it along with that guy because he's just like the process i would have arguments with aaron sorkin about how toby wouldn't say this it's like okay uh, just say your lines yeah (laughs) (laughs) you make so much money to just say these words please Um, just recite what is written for you (laughs) yes (laughs) no that makes total sense then And, and so i think both toby and richard schiff would totally be the 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 snobby person coming into the wine the wine shop. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Awesome. Okay. Well, this was so fun to to this talk with blast. you about. This is a blast. I enjoyed. This is great. I love it. Absolutely. Is there anything anything else? I mean, obviously, there's tons to talk about. But is, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about the West Wing that we missed? I feel like we've hit it all. I like that we kind of went through all the different characters and stuff. Yeah. For anyone that hasn't watched it, I would highly, highly recommend. It's a very good show. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's very solid. It's fun. It's well written. It's well produced. Aside from the the couple moments where you're like, Ugh, but there's there's yeah. like so few of them that yeah. it's still worth it. And 
it's it's helpful to know from listening to the West Wing Weekly that Joshua Molina, one of the actors who uh-huh. has like been in a ton of Aaron Sorkin stuff, like he holds no bars against being like calling out some of the problematic stuff. So it feels like a lot of the people involved in the show also realize looking back that not everything is aged perfectly. But that's what's going to happen that's when good. you watch something made in the late 90s, early 2000s. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's and a very I, good show. I really think it is above all just like a fabulous ensemble show. And I love that. Yes, 100%, which is nice. It's nice to have like not a truly main character and it's nice to be like, oh, this is a Josh episode or this is a CJ episode or like this is an episode about everyone. Right. And it's a fun show that like kind of keeps you on your toes with no, n- very few episodes feel the same, which is yeah. cool. It doesn't feel like you're you're stuck in a rut, which when you're watching episodic stuff, especially that has seven series worth of materials. Like it feels like another one of these episodes, like every episode really does stand on its own and feels different, which I think is a a huge plus of the show. Yeah. I, and that is really rare and that is a a huge achievement. I think of the show as well. It's, it's, it's very hard to find a show that runs this long, that feels fresh every time. Mm Hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I'm I'm excited and thank you for for suggesting it because it's been fun getting rewatching it and especially in this current political climate that we live in, mm-hmm. which is shockingly similar and shockingly different in certain ways. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Maybe not shockingly different, but, you know, uh, it's just interesting, interesting to watch it now in retrospect. Agreed. So highly recommend watching it or rewatching it if you have not. Shubes, if I'm not mistaken, you've got some new stuff in the works that you might want to talk about. I do. I do. I'm very excited about it. So, yeah. So if you are listening to this episode between March 30th, 2021 and April 30th, 2021, it means that the Kickstarter is live for a new podcast project that I am working on, Modern Muckraker. It is a new show that I am working on that's the first ever, like, pre-production heavy scripted show. So Amazing. I will be playing, like, a character that is similar to, like, a Stephen Colbert where nice. I will be thinking it's it's an investigative journalism podcast but the questions that i am answering are things that my character believes are the most important questions to ask in all of journalism but they are things such as when should spider-man take the subway instead of web swinging (laughs) so things like that where it's uh, my my, i think my character believes that he is doing pulitzer prize peabody award winning (laughs) hard-hitting stuff but it's these pop culture questions that uh, are I, I my character is labeling as the questions that no one is dared to ask, <laughs> but it's just like incredibly deep, thorough, deep dives into questions that on face value seem to be very silly. But it'll be different pop culture stuff. It'll be some superhero things, some music things, some movie things, some TV things. I'm very excited about it. Um, but the reason we're doing a Kickstarter is that like I want to bring in a whole team for it. So like a team of writers, uh, bring in someone to sound design, have someone as a producer, some researchers, awesome. because like we're going to be approaching this like the way like real shows like a serial or an NPR would like actually do stuff. And we're going to get incredibly overqualified people for <laughs> interviews. Like when we do the the Spider-Man subway thing, like I want to interview someone who has like created stuff at Marvel to get like yeah. the, to get like the, the specifics of web swinging, but then also like interview the head of the MTA to like talk about how fast trains right. go and stuff like that. So 
incredible deep dive stuff. <laughs> the reason we need a Kickstarter is because I want to pay these people what they're worth. Of course. Because you and I have both been in stuff where you either don't get paid or you don't get paid enough. Oh, yeah. So if I'm going to make something, I want to pay people what they deserve and not just like what they're comfortable asking and hoping that they don't look bad uh, or look greedy. So I want to pay people like actual money that they deserve for the work they're putting in, thus a Kickstarter. But you can get some really cool rewards from it. And if you want to check out information about the show or the Kickstarter, you can go to modernmuck.com or you can go to bit.ly slash modernmuckraker and that will take you directly to the Kickstarter. Amazing. And we will have links to those in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, This sounds so fun. I'm so excited. And... um, (laughs) And yes, as as you said, as somebody who works in in, you know, as an actor in podcasting, et cetera, it, we often we often don't get paid what we're worth because we do it because we love it. And so it's a really admirable uh, goal to be able to raise money to pay people for what they do. Um, so that is an awesome cause. And I can't wait. So everybody, everybody make sure to check out the Kickstarter. Yes, please. It would make it would make me very happy if you did. It's an idea that I've had for a while, and we tried pitching it around to a couple different platforms, and no one really bit on it. So I would like to bet on myself and just absolutely uh, see if we can do it. Do it on our own. Do it independently. So if if you were able to help out and you wanted some cool rewards in the process, I would very much appreciate it. Awesome. I I believe in you. I think it's gonna. It sounds like Thank it's you. gonna be so fun. I can't wait. I'm very biased, but I think it's gonna be very good as well. So yes. hopefully it gets funded. So we can actually make it. Yes, let's let's do it. Let's get you there. <laughs> awesome. Um, and any any uh, anything else? I mean, m- I think most people who listen to pairing also know the other things you do. But would you like to give a quick plug to some of the other shows that you work on? Just to remind sure, so folks. There's, yes, in case you are unfamiliar, Potterless is a show where I never read the Harry Potter books as a kid, so it's me reading them as an adult, going through all the series. I'm now doing like the spinoff stuff, so like Puffs or Harry Potter Musical, yes. things that are fun like that. Uh, I've also I also co-host a basketball podcast called Horse that's about the sport, but not really. It's just about the entertainment aspect, so like player beefs, uniforms old stories about Shaquille O'Neal, all stuff like that. And then I have a game show for charity called Meddling Adults, where guests compete head-to-head to solve mysteries from children's series like Encyclopedia Brown or Scooby-Doo. And Amazing. whoever gets the most correct ends up bringing home money for a charity of their choosing. So all of those, you can search for their respective titles wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to my personal website, which is just shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S, and then that'll have all the information and links and stuff like that. Perfect. Amazing. Yes. Uh, everything you do is awesome. So I am so excited for your new project. And um, and I'm always so happy to have you here on Pairing and talk about some fun, some fun art and some uh, and some fun drinks. So, yes, it was great. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine to be on. And I'm glad uh, we could have such a fun discussion. Me, too. Absolutely. Well, until we can be in the same place. Uh, I will raise an imaginary glass to you. Yes. And cheers. As will I. My <laughs> coffee mug filled with water that I've been drinking out of during this recording. Yes, I've got a, I've got a large a large plastic pink cup of water here. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Cheers indeed. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. 
Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.